Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Appreciate not only the the music when it's performed, but a lot goes into it. I mean, many of these folks are here long after you're home, and they're here rehearsing. You know, some of you may not know that uh, I was born and raised down in Louisiana, and Sharon and I came to Michigan, to Mayo, about 25 years ago. Didn't know anything about Michigan. We've learned a lot about Michigan. Didn't know about the Mackinac Bridge. You know, didn't know that you could do this to tell people where you lived. We've learned about that. Uh, we've learned that the Detroit Lions will never, ever go to a Super Bowl. We've, we, we've learned that. Uh, and we also learned about a, 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 an annual event in the spring. Somebody say it. Morels. Is it time? All, you know, you always get conflicting answers. How many of you will actually go out? I'm just curious. I take these polls all the time. How many of you will actually go out this spring sometime and hunt for morels? I'm just curious. Okay, maybe a fourth. Not, you know, it's a minority. All righty. I've done that before, and I know the best-kept secrets in the world are not at the Pentagon. There are people who know where the morels are. Those are the best kept. I mean, that'll never be violated. People will not ever tell anybody where the morels are. And I've had them, and I like them. Um, Now to the matter at hand. God's plan for marriage. I take this, if you haven't already detected from my opening comments, I take this very seriously. The idea of two people. You know, Dr. Dr. Willard Harley, who I use for my marriage counseling, has made a statement. The person you are most likely to hate in life, if you were to hate anybody, is most likely to be your spouse. And that's true. When half of marriages end in divorce, it's always ugly. People don't divorce because things are good. People are divorcing because they're cussing each other out and they're filled with rage and they're filled with bitterness. And those poor little children are the ones that are suffering the most. That bothers me. That gets me upset. I'm fighting for families. I'm fighting for marriages. The idea that two people that stand before God and make their vows end up hating one another or cheating on one another, abusing one another, that's horrible. And then who is it that's going to pay? It's going to be children and then ultimately society. Our lives are impacted daily. Because of how marriage is viewed today. And when I say impacted daily, I mean impacted negatively daily. This is an extremely important topic. The only thing I could preach on that's more important than this would be just a strict gospel message on salvation. That's the ultimate topic. But second to that, I would say, is marriage and the family. Now let me add this as I begin. If you have had a failed marriage, I'm not beating up on you. I'm not putting you on a guilt trip. I'm not looking to the past. I'm looking to your future, okay? 
Please don't think for one second that I'm beating up on you or trying to dig up harmful memories. But i got to fight for the marriages that are intact now. Even if that's your marriage, maybe you're remarried, then, then I want to help you to get this one right. Okay, that, that is my heart. And I know for some people it's painful to hear, but I, I can't ignore the topic. So let's consider this morning God's plan for marriage. And then this afternoon, very much related to this, is protection for the family. We start off with a quote this morning. You know, I like quotes. This preacher says, Marriage is a condition of divine expression and activity. That is profound in and of itself. Most people in in our country do not agree with that statement. They would disagree with that statement. But this statement is accurate, as I will prove to you. Marriage is a condition of divine expression and activity. Therefore, where its fundamental significances are forgotten and its fundamental laws are disobeyed, can you say the United States of America? It becomes the most tragic of all experiences. Marriage is of divine origin. Marriage is God's divine will. And he never intended for it to end up being a tragic experience. But when we know better than God and our feelings come first, you can expect a marriage that was intended to be fulfilling. You can expect it to turn tragic. We're talking about God's plan for marriage this morning. The problem is there's too many of man's plans floating around today. Too many people believe that marriage would include homosexuals. Marriage would include polygamy, a man with multiple wives. And you know what is becoming increasingly popular? The term is polyamory or polyamorphous marriages. You know what that is? Multiple partners. Seven or eight people getting married. Three women, five men, five, you know, you know, those are man's plans. Doomed, doomed to tragic failure. Plans that alter what God established are going to be very destructive for individuals, for families, and for society as a whole. When you depart from God's plan, you got it wrong. And it's not going to have a happy ending for the individuals involved, nor for society. I want us to look this morning to God's word. You are not going to have marriage defined or described or elaborated better than from God's word. And we're going to look at a passage of scripture in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 10, where oddly enough, it starts off with a discussion of divorce. But in this question posed to Jesus about divorce, the answer he gives, gives us the foundation for marriage, for successful marriage. Because folks, marriage can be fulfilling. Marriage can be completing. Marriage can be joyful. Marriage can be everything that you think it can be. 
But oddly enough, in this question about divorce, we're going to find the bedrock foundation stone that ought to describe your marriage. Mark chapter 10, verse number 1. And he arose from thence and cometh into the coast of Judea by the farther side of Jordan, that being Jesus. And the people resorted to him again, and as he was wont, he taught them again. And the Pharisees came to him. These are the same ones that derided him last week. These are the guys that are out to get him. These are the spiritual elitist, the holier-than-thou spiritual crowd. And the Pharisees came to him and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? And they were doing that, tempting him. They're trying to entrap him. They're trying to make him look foolish. <coughs> Verse number 3, And he answered and said unto them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. Verse 5, And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. But, and here it is, here's the foundation. In the midst of this discussion of divorce, here is the bedrock foundation of how, if you want to have a successful marriage, you must view your marriage. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them, male and female, period. Verse 7, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain, but again, he says it, one flesh. And then he says this. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. This passage deals with a group of Pharisees trying to put Jesus in a corner concerning divorce. At that time, there were two schools of thought. One school of thought that existed at that time was you could divorce for almost any reason. Okay, she burned the biscuits. All right, grounds for divorce. So there were those that thought, you know, very loose-ended, divorce for any reason. But the other school of thought was there was very limited reason for divorce. Very limited reason. And they come to Jesus knowing this controversy is going on, trying to get him to pick sides. And then the other side would, of course, have a problem with him. They were just stirring up trouble. Even in the context of this passage, our subject this morning isn't divorce, it's marriage. In answering the question about divorce, Jesus gives the foundational fundamentals and the basic ground rules for marriage. Now, why should this matter to you? Well, let me give you three reasons. Why is this important to you to understand God's plans for marriage? Number one, marriages are strengthened with an understanding and acceptance of God's plan for marriage. Where two spouses understand and accept God's plan for marriage, their marriage is going to be positive. Oh, we're still human. There's still going to be, you know, get up on the wrong side of the bed kind of days. And there's going to be squabbles and what have you. But that marriage is going to make it. That that marriage is going to grow over time. So why is this message, why is it important for you to hear it? Because it can help your marriage. Number two, 
why this is important. Your quality of life is being impacted negatively by a culture that doesn't understand and appreciate the spiritual aspect of marriage. I said it before, and I will prove it this afternoon. A lot of the things that concern you right now are a direct result of the breakdown of godly families. A lot of your fears, a lot of your apprehensions, a lot of your frustrations, whether it's economic, social, cultural, whatever. In most instances, it is directly related to the breakdown of a biblical understanding, a spiritual understanding of marriage. It is impacting every one of us every day. And number three, a biblical understanding of marriage is essential in rearing well-adjusted and responsible children. Now, if you're here and let's say you're unsaved, you're, you're not a believer, but you're here today and we're so glad that you're here today. I want you to see how well God does things and how much better God's way is. Because when you depart from God's, when you depart from God's plan for marriage, the results are just problematic. God's plan is a better way. Maybe you've been on a path of your own choosing, your own feelings, your own emotions, and things have been rough. Let me assure you, there is a better way. And there isn't a marriage with problems today that can't be fixed, no matter how serious the problems, no no matter how far down the road to divorce you may have traveled. I don't care how bad it is, that marriage not only can survive, but it can thrive when you get back to God's plan. So from this passage of Scripture this morning, let's examine three aspects of God's plan for marriage. We're going to look at the actions of God with regards to marriage. We're going to look at the desires of God with regards to marriage. And we're going to look at the warnings of God with regards to marriage. So let's begin. Stick with me. We're going to move fast. Number one. The actions of God with regards to marriage. Everything worth knowing about marriage and the family begins and ends with the actions of God. Your thoughts about marriage aren't better than God's. To get marriage right, you have to start with God and what he says And changing what you think to what he thinks. Mark 10, look at verse number 6. As he talks about marriage, isn't it interesting how he begins this discussion about the fundamentals of marriage? He says, but now this is Jesus. If he's your savior, you got to listen to this. And you got to change the way you think. If If you're here and you're born again, you know, you might have to readjust your thinking. Look at where it starts, the concept, the idea, the discussion of marriage. But from the beginning of the creation, God. Forget what you think. Forget what the world teaches. Turn to God. He's got it all laid out in his word. Marriage was not conceived by man and therefore is not subject to be altered by man. We didn't come up with the idea. This came up centuries ago, millennia ago, by God. Understand letter A. Any proper understanding of marriage begins and ends with God. Mark chapter 10, verse number 6, again, but from the beginning of the creation, God made them. 
thinking about your feelings. Quit thinking about your thoughts. Quit thinking about your plans as it relates to marriage. How's it working for you? If you've left God out, I can tell you how it's working for you. Not well at all. So you come to church, and yeah, maybe your toes get stepped on. That's not my goal. Let's put it a better way. Let's put it a spiritual way. Maybe you get convicted. Well, if you're out of God's will, yeah, then that, <laughs> that is my goal. More important than that, that's God's goal. Is it not? If you're out of God's will, he wants you to be convicted. He don't want you to sit in here and be comfortable this morning. That's why some people leave church and never come back because they can't be comfortable. Well, not if you're living in sin. So what do you do? You get right, amen? You repent and you change and you find the joy that you have been lacking in your life. So when it comes to marriage, put away your feeling, put away what culture teaches you, more about that in a second, and look to God. It says, God made them. I like this quote, marriage is a work of God, not only as an institution, but every marriage is a work of God. Every uniting of two people is a work of God because within the purpose of God's sovereign plan, the life that comes out of that union, talking about children, has been foreordained unto divine ends. You never thought about it that way before, did you? You just thought about, I ain't happy, you know. My, my dreams are not being fulfilled. Well, happiness isn't found in your dreams being fulfilled. Happiness is being in the center of God's will. That's where happiness is found, folks. Understand that. It was God who took the action to create marriage. So a proper understanding of marriage begins and ends with God. And then secondly, it was God who determined that marriage was confined to a man and woman. And verse number six. But from the beginning of creation, God, okay, that's our starting point. God did what? God made them what? Male and female. Period. I mean, marriages of God... And marriage is just biology. It, 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 that's the only ground. For, that is, I the basic ground for marriage is biological. Marriage has no place for two men or two women or three men and six women. I mean, that's self-evident. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Another quote, John MacArthur. It was God who made the union possible. It was God who issued the command, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. It was God who said, it's not good for a man to be alone. I'll make him a helpmeet. It was God who brought Eve to Adam. It was God who designed marriage to be an honorable state. And the Bible calls it the grace of life. Every marriage is God putting a man and woman together. Any departure from that is irrational. It has no basis. There's no basis for marriage outside of a man and woman. There's a huge basis for marriage between a man and a woman. God was the one who took the action to establish that marriage consisted of one man and one woman. Because marriage is conceived by and ordained of God, 
then the Bible is the utmost authoritative and complete resource there is for marriage. If you want to get your marriage right, you will turn to God's word. You say, well, I really don't know God's word. Then you will turn to somebody who knows God's word. Somebody who has studied God's word. Somebody who can take you to that scripture. Somebody who can explain that to you. Any consideration and discussion of marriage apart from the Bible is inconsequential and immaterial. What Oprah or Hillary or Whoopi or Obama or Al or Michael Moore thinks about marriage, folks, is irrelevant. It's irrelevant. They have nothing worthwhile to add to a conversation about about marriage because all they have is simply their opinion. And all opinions, folks, not based on Scripture, come from people who are blind and walking in spiritual darkness. And those of you who might be tempted to be influenced by these people and say, well, Oprah can do it or Hillary can do it or whoever, Whoopi can can do it. That's the equivalent of the blind following the blind. It's the blind following the blind. Apart from the Bible, God's leading and the Holy Spirit leading, when you get away from the Bible, you come up with the most outlandish ideas about marriage. Many feminists oppose the idea of marriage because they believe it subjugates women. There are lots of people that want to eliminate marriage altogether, and one of them are the feminists because they think it subjugates women. I told that to the men yesterday morning, men's prayer breakfast, and Ted Menzi on the way out says, the women, the feminists who say that uh, marriage subjugates women, he said, those women ain't never been married. Think think about it. Think about it. Because what he's implying is just the opposite is true. Homosexuals believe people of the same sex have a right to marriage. Liberals believe infidelity is not a problem in marriage. Progressives believe cohabitation is acceptable. Mormons believe multiple wives, at least some Mormons believe that multiple wives are okay. Some people believe in group marriage between three and seven. But when you turn to God and his word, you get a reasonable, rational understanding of why there is marriage and the purpose of marriage and the significance of marriage. So the actions of God with regards to marriage... The point is, everything worth knowing about marriage and the family begins and ends with God. I don't give one whit what the movie stars say about marriage, liberal politicians say about marriage. I could care less. Their views are the views of unsaved people walking in darkness. Secondly, Let's look at the desires of God with regards to marriage. Marriage starts with God. What are his desires? What are his plans? Understand that God laid down the ground rules for marriage. And it's not for us to tinker with. In verse number 7 of Mark chapter 10, 
For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh, so then they are no more twain but one flesh. Understand, God's desires for marriage is seen in biological reality. Letter A, God desires marriage to be the ultimate relationship. More even than blood relationships. Wait, wait, wait a minute, Pastor. Would you, would you say that again? All right. God desires marriage to be the ultimate relationship on the face of this earth, more so than blood relationship. Now, now we're not putting down on blood relationship. That, that's important, okay? Brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, moms and dads, children, that's very important. But look at what that verse says. For this call shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. The significance of marriage. God is creating this holy union. And as important as our blood relationships are, and they are important. I'm not putting down on that one little bit. I'm just acknowledging what God says, and I trust that he gets it right. And that if we understand this and we apply it, we'll be getting it right. And we'll be all the better off for it. And our blood relationships <coughs> will be all the better off for it. This quote from Ray Stedman. But what our Lord makes clear is that this relationship is the highest, talking about marriage, relationship possible in life. Notice that it takes priority over all others. Closer even than the ties of blood is that of marriage in the mind and heart of God. A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. It is a closer relationship than to any children who follow. It is the ultimate relationship. Why is that? Because it is a vital relationship. Society depends Culture depends if it is going to thrive to get that relationship right because it serves in as the foundation to all the other relationships, all the other blood relationships. God intends that marriage be the ultimate relationship on this earth. And letter B, God desires, God's desire is for a man and a woman to become inseparable as one flesh. And that is both biologically and psychologically they become one flesh. He says in verse number 8, And they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain. But he emphasizes it. One flesh. You are bonded. Marriage creates one flesh. A new reality. Ennobling the sexual union of a man and a woman by ordering it toward a common life that promotes the good of the couple the family, and the community as a whole. And because we are not seeing that happen today, the family and the community and the couple as a whole are suffering terribly. God intends for marriage to be a permanent and stable foundation upon which society then can rightly function. Marriage is between one man, one woman. God made them male and female. Marriage is limited to a male and female. Read it again, verse number 7. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his 
wife. And that's significant in a spiritual sense. Hear this quote. The two shall become one flesh. Therefore, Jesus concludes for his day and ours, so they are no longer two but one flesh. Marriage is that kind of union, very profound, just as Christ and the church are one body. So number one, everything worth knowing about marriage and the family begins and ends with God. Number two, God has laid down the ground rules for marriage. One man, one woman, one flesh for life. And then lastly, in this passage, the warnings of God with regards to marriage. America, you better listen and you better heed or you face a very troubled future. God intends for marriage to be a lifetime commitment. Verse number nine is very, very clear. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man, or let not man put asunder. When he says join together, he's talking about just like two yoke of oxen yoked together, inseparable. Or that also pictures the idea of two boards being glued together. Man, there's glue out there today that you glue two boards together. I mean, they're not, they're not coming apart. The warnings of God with regards to marriage, A, under this, God warns that he is the one that unites people in marriage. What therefore God hath joined together. When I stand up here or any other place and I... Uh, perform the ceremony, the marriage ceremony, we are simply acknowledging what God has put together. And if God hadn't put it together, I won't know part of it. I have to be assured before I'll perform a ceremony that I think, to the best of my knowledge and ability, that God has put them together. And if anybody is, is willing to get together and you claim to be married when they can't say for sure that God put them together, you're on shaky ground to begin with. And you know, those of you that have been married, your, your marriage is going to be tested. And if it's not put together by God, you're, you're off on, on the wrong foot to begin with. What therefore God hath joined together. Matthew Henry said, marriage is not an invention of men, but a divine institution. And therefore is to be religiously observed. And the more because it is a figure of the mystical inseparable union between Christ and his church. Each of your marriages out there is a symbolic representation to the lost world of Christ and his church. We are his and belong to him. And that's what every marriage is representative of. And it's not for us to tamper with that. In letter B, God warns man not to dissolve marriages. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. It's, talking about marriage, an act of God. Quoting John MacArthur again. So you certainly don't want to put asunder, separate what God has joined together. He says, let me put it simply, don't break up your marriage 
and don't break up somebody else's marriage either. Or you are rending an institution of God. Again, when God talks about them being joined together, he's talking about being yoked together. Two animals yoked together means they have to work together. They have to pull in the same direction. And you may have to work at it. No, it's not may. You'll have to work at it. But if you'll get good counsel, good help, even the the, the marriages on the most shakiest of grounds (coughs) can make it. Commitment is essential. Why, Why is the Lord insisting that no man put it asunder. Let me give you some reasons, and we'll focus more on this this afternoon. Quickly, it prevents the horrific pain that accompanies divorce after years of intimacy and personal investment. It protects both spouses from contacting STDs when you're at sexually transmitted diseases, when you're cheating outside of your marriage bond. It provides a stable and nurturing environment for children. It is affirming, it is edifying, it is uplifting for both the male and the female. I am a better person because I am married to Sharon McMorris. Hopefully she'll say the same about me. You'll have to ask her about that. It is affirming. Yeah, you have to work through problems. You have to work through challenges. You have to work through difficulties. But iron sharpeneth iron, whether it's a friend or whether it's your mate. It reflects Christ's love for the church. It acknowledges the authority of God. Oh, there's lots of reasons to get it right. And you can. So what have we learned from these few verses? In the context of discussing divorce, Jesus lays out the framework for your marriage to be everything that it can be and ought to be. We learn three things. Everything worth knowing about marriage and the family begins and ends with the actions of God. We've learned that God laid down the rules for marriage. And we learned that God intends for marriage to be a lifetime commitment. Now let me ask you this, what is wrong with that? You got a better way? You got a better plan? It's not out there. For two spouses to understand this and accept this, you are going to be blessed. Are you going to have your rocky moments? We're human. You know, I mean, Sharon wakes up on the wrong side of the bed, you know, and I just have to learn to deal with it and live with it. We work through it, and I'm a better person. <laughs> Maybe it was me that wakes up on the wrong side of the bed. That's more like it. But you've got to have the right foundation. To build your marriage on your feelings or advice from lost people or looking at what's popular in culture, well, everybody's living together. Don't be so foolish. It ain't working out for them, and it ain't going to work out for you either. Let's conclude with God's word this morning and let this sink into your heart and hopefully change you if change is needed. And that's between you and the Lord. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And they twain shall be one flesh, and so then they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. You say, Pastor, I feel terrible. I've had a failed uh, marriage in the past. Well, I, I am sorry for you. 
And again, this is not to put you on a guilt trip at all. But if you're remarried, this is to give this marriage a chance to succeed. Or you've never been married before, you haven't had a failed marriage, but your marriage right now is rocky. Look to God. Look to God. You say, well, my spouse and I, we don't really, we really haven't been as committed as, as, as we should be. Hey, there are folks that are committed, that know God's word, that can help you. My wife and I, Jamie and Amber, and there's other mature Christian couples in this room who've traveled down that path of life that can be of help and a blessing to you. Oh, there's help. There's lots of help. And I want to close by saying this. I don't care how bad it is in your home. After a few years now of doing some serious marital counseling, I am absolutely convinced that no matter how bad it is or how hopeless it may seem, if you will seek out help, you can have the marriage that you had hoped for and dreamed of. I don't care how bad it is. Well, we've never known happiness from the day we were married. You know, what you said at the beginning, Pastor, about the person you're most likely to hate is the person you're married to. That's true in my situation. That may be true, but that can be fixed. Think about it. Really? Your problem is too tough for God? I don't think so. If you'll turn to him, if you'll humble yourself, if you'll just humble yourself and say, hey, it ain't going good. I need help. Help is available. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's word. If you have any questions about Myo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.